0: Amen. We have a special treat this morning. Amen. First Lady of New Life Worship Center, my lovely wife Rose Goud is going to be speaking on this Mother's Day. Can you make her feel welcome to this pulpit? Amen. Am I on? Can you hear me. Happy Mother's Day, all you moms out here. It looks like a beautiful crowd this morning. Y'all all look so. Pretty, I want to start off this morning with uh, reading something that someone had sent to me a couple years ago through email, and it's called, Somebody Said. Number one says, Somebody said it takes about six weeks to get back to normal after you've had a baby. Somebody doesn't know that once you're a mother, normal is history. Number two, somebody said you learn how to be a mother by instinct. Someone never took a three-year-old shopping. Somebody said being a mother is boring. Somebody never rode in a car driven by a teenager with a driver's permit. (laughs) Somebody said if you're a good mother your child will turn out good. Somebody thinks the child comes with directions and a guarantee. Somebody said you can't love the second child as much as you love the first. Somebody never had two children. Somebody said the hardest part of being a mother is labor and delivery. Somebody never watched her baby get on a bus the first day of kindergarten or on a plane headed to military boot camp. Somebody said a mother can stop worrying after her child gets married. Huh? That's a good one. (laughs) Somebody doesn't know that marriage adds a new son-in-law or daughter-in-law or both to a mother's heartstrings. Somebody said a mother's job is done when her last child leaves home. Got to laugh at that one too. Somebody never had grandchildren. This morning we're celebrating Mother's Day, and that's why that I read that right there. But um, several weeks ago when Pastor had asked me if I would pray about speaking this morning, the last two Mother's Day I've spoken and I've spoke on the subject of moms because of being Mother's Day. Um, and I've got a lot of experience being a mom of over 33 years, so that's an easy subject for me to talk about. But when I started praying, God just kind of started redirecting and he just kind of spoke into my heart that he wanted us to go a different direction today and I feel like that he's given me an in-season word. I feel like he's given me a word for this body today. It was not a coincidence or an accident for you here today, the ones of you that are here to hear this. Um, So today the word is not only for moms, it's for dads as well. It's for girls, it's for boys, it's for all ages, it's for teenagers. Guys, I want you to listen to me this morning, because this is for everybody. And I believe God wants to do a work in here this morning. You may remember, if you were here several weeks ago, that that God led our worship pastor, Michael, um, to call out to the congregation, to those who were suffering from depression. And when he did that, God immediately showed me, Two faces of two different women. And these women did come down for prayer that morning along with several others. They weren't by themselves. And God just moved in a really, really great way that day. What Michael did not know, in fact, pastor didn't even know it. I hadn't shared it with anybody, but God had already started dealing with me about the subject of depression and self-pity. And and the bondages that we as children of God live in, that we don't have to live in. In fact, I had already been making notes and and putting them aside. Um, And that morning when God moved the way he did, it was just confirmation to me that I was hearing the voice of God. And that's what God wanted us to talk about. So I believe a few Sundays ago that God was giving us a taste of what's more to come today. So this morning, we're going to talk a little bit about depression. About self pity, and I think we know how to get free. But we're going to talk about how to get free. But we're going to take it a pass, uh, one past that, and we're going to talk about how to stay for free. Um, God set people free here that Sunday a few weeks ago. I did follow ups on the telephone with them. I talked with several of them. God did a mighty thing that day, and He set people free. But we, the, the sad thing is. Some of those people that stood down here that very morning are already all bound back up again. You've already got back into that bondage. You've already let that self-pity and that depression, those changes wrap themselves around you again, and, 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 and you know, you don't know what to do. You don't know what to do. You don't know how to happen. It just come on gradually. The change was just gone, you know, a few weeks ago, and now they're back again. Um, the two go hand in hand. Depression goes hand in hand with self-pity. If you have self-pity, you're going to end up getting depressed if you stay there long enough. If you're depressed, then you're going to have self-pity going on too. Now, I understand this morning, and I'm not going to get into the depth of this, but I understand that sometimes people are clinically depressed. If you, if you do some research on that, you find out that it is a medical problem. I, I love what I've heard my husband say many times, doctors treat, but God heals. So I understand that when a person is clinically depressed, it's actually a chemical imbalance in the brain, and you can't blame that person for that any more than you can blame someone for having cancer. I get that. That's not what I'm talking about this morning, although God can heal that without a doubt, but we're talking about just regular depression that so many people live in. A number of things can bring on depression. Bad relationships If you don't have a good relationship with your spouse, maybe you have a bad relationship with your teenagers. Teenagers, maybe you have a bad relationship with your parents. Maybe it's your siblings. Maybe it's your grandparents. Whatever. Uh, Bad relationships can bring on depression. The loss of a loved one can bring on depression. Now, understand, there's a huge difference in grief and depression, when you lose a loved one, it's completely natural and real for you to go through a season of grief. Don't be blinded and let the devil beat you up and think you have fallen into some deep depression. I remember it, it was seven years ago this last December that my dad went home to be with the Lord. And, and, and I remember weeks and maybe even a couple, three months past that, it seemed like I just could not get past it. And I thought, there is something wrong with me. I mean, I'm praying, I'm reading, I'm seeking God, and and I can't get past the sadness that I feel. I can't get past how bad I miss my dad, how bad I want to talk to him again, how bad I want to go see him again. And I had not shared that with anybody. It was a struggle just going on within myself, between me and God. And one Sunday morning, we had a visiting minister that come in. And his wife that morning, knowing nothing about this, gave the word from God over me. And God said to me, he said, right now, you've got a hole in your heart. And he went on to talk to me. And he let me know that was normal. And that there would come a time that he would turn my mourning into dancing. And the grief period would be over. Seven years later, yeah, I still miss my dad. But I'm not grieving anymore. And I certainly am not depressed about it. He's in a much better place. So let's not confuse The You know, grief with depression. Let's not let the devil lie to us. We have to be careful when we are going through grief that we don't let it run in and turn into depression. Bad health can cause depression. Bad health can cause self-pity. And we're going to talk a little bit more later on about the self-pity, but it is absolutely self-destructive. Low self-esteem can bring on depression. It can bring on self-pity. And the list just goes on and on and on and on. But whatever the cause may be, Of the depression. I want us to leave this place this morning. Not only free. But I want us to leave with the tools that we need. I want us to be equipped. That we know how to stay free once and for all. Let's go to. Jason can you pull up James 1. Verses 2 and 4. 2 through 4. Y'all excuse my hoarseness. That's just. Happens to me from time to time. So just look over the sound of my voice and hear what the Lord says this morning. Dear brothers and sisters, when trouble comes your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Now look at that word right there, perfect. That is a big word. That's a huge word. Do you get a little bit nervous when you hear that, that, that you hear the word perfect? Cause I'm not perfect. Does anybody here perfect? Don't answer that. <laughs> but it's not my word. It's a big word. It's a huge word. It's an important word. But it's not my word. It's God's word. That's what it says. And if there is anybody here that still is clinging on to that, um, uh, what's the, King James Version, King James Version. You can go to that, and it still uses the word perfect. I just now read to you out of the New Living Translation, but even the King James, it still uses the word perfect. So that's God's word for today. How can we be perfect and complete, needing nothing? How can we do it? We have to do it through right relationship with our Father. Why is it that on Sunday morning that we can come down here and we can get this huge touch from God? We walk through those doors with a made-up mind that we're going to whoop every devil that comes our way. How many times have you been there? You just feel like, wow, I got it this time. I got it. And then Monday gets here. You still got it. Then Tuesday gets here. Not so much. Wednesday gets here and you're defeated again. You know, we can just feel the change just wrapping back around us. We're like, wow, they were just gone two days ago. And now they're wrapped around us tighter than they've ever been before. Those chains were broken off, but now they're back. See, that's what happens to us. Now they're back. And we don't know what to do. We don't know what to do about it. And we don't know how to stay free. And so because we lack right relationship with our father, we end up giving in to those chains and saying, it's my life. I've been like this for years. We sing the, the song here sometimes. It says there's power in the name of Jesus to break every chain, to break every chain, to break every chain. And there is. I believe that we've all experienced that here before. But we need a revelation about what the name of Jesus means. We can sing all day long. There's power in the name of Jesus. You can go to a movie or turn on your TV and hear them using the name of Jesus as a slain word. You can have somebody pull out in front of you and almost hit them. And before you know it, you said, oh, Jesus, was you praying or was you just throwing that name out there? You know, it sounds good. Jesus, it's a good name. But we've got to have a revelation of what's in that name or it's useless to us. It's not going to work. We've got to know the authority that's in that name when we use it. And when we get a revelation of the authority and who Jesus is, he'll do more than break our chains. He will break those chains and he will keep those chains from coming back. Every demon in hell trembles at the name of Jesus when we use it knowing what we're saying. We've got to know who he is. We need a revelation of who he is not just on Sunday, but on every day of the week, we've got to stay plugged in to the power source. If I use this phone all day today, and by the end of the day, if I don't plug it into the power source, I can pick it up in the morning and I can say, that is a really cool looking phone. I mean, wow, it's an iPhone 5. Looks really good. I'm so proud of that phone. But it, it's useless because it's dead. It it, it won't do anything for me. Um, I can't talk to my friends on it. I can't get on Facebook on it. I can't Google on it. Can you imagine a world without Google? I mean, wow. But it would be useless to me. I could not do anything with it because it hasn't been plugged into the power source. We have to stay in right relationship with the power source. Now, I understand this morning that bad things happen to good people sometimes. It's not fair. There's not anything that we can say to make it fair. When Adam and Eve ate the fruit in the garden, this world was infiltrated with sin. We live in a world that is wicked and that is evil. And bad things happen to good people. It rains on the just and the unjust, and there's nothing that we can do to stop that. And sometimes these things can be so devastating that it just throws us into a deep despair. But I want you to listen to this. A right, a place of right relationship finds joy that runs deeper than despair. Stephanie, when pastor was talking to you and he used the word joy, I'm like, wow, God, you're just all over that word. Just all over it. Listen to it again. I want, I want you to soak it into your spirit. A place of right relationship with the father finds joy that runs deeper than despair Now, I want to go back to James 1, 3 and 4 again. And you don't have to put it up there unless you just want to. It's fine if you want to. But it says, For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. Think about that. It has a chance to grow. What does God say in there? You're not grown yet. It's not through growing yet. Your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. When your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. I noticed about that. I noticed when I was reading that where it says, when your endurance is fully developed, what does that mean? It means that we're being developed. When you develop something, it takes process. It's not completely done. It's growing. It's being processed. It's developing. So what God is saying to us here in James is he wants us to learn how to endure and to let our endurance get fully developed. And when it gets fully developed, then we're going to be perfect and complete, needing nothing. But we've got to get there. We've got to know how to get it developed. It takes time. Now, does that mean that you can go without reading the Word or praying for weeks at a time because you're being developed? No, of course not. That's how you get developed. That's how you get right relationship with the Father, father, through His Word and through prayer. Um, Then if you leave here today... If you hear what I'm saying and you leave here today and you just feel inspired and you think, okay, we want to get in right relationship with the Father. We want to get developed. So I'm inspired. So I think I'm going to start out tomorrow and I'm going to read a whole book in the Bible. Let's just say you decide to start in the New Testament and you want to read Matthew and then you get into all these so-and-so begotten, so-and-so, and so begot so and so and so and so begot." You get kind of bored, but you read the whole book. You go to work, you go about your day, you go to school, whatever, and then you get up Tuesday morning and you're going to read the next book. You've read Matthew, you're going to read Mark, and then maybe the next day Luke. That's probably not a real good idea. And let me tell you why. If you're not used, I'm not even going to ask who's picked up their Bible this week. It ain't none of my business. It ain't none of my business. But But you know, whether you have or not. But if you decide that you're going to do that, and I think that's what happens with Christians a lot of times, they get all fired up and they're just going to fix themselves. And they're going to fix themselves with the word of God. And so they're going to read the Bible just until they can't hold their eyes open anymore. But what happens if you read the whole book of Matthew in the morning, by, you have a, by the time you get a break at work or you get a break at school, you're not even going to know what you read. mm I'm not not that smart. I can't retain all that stuff. Now, we may have some geniuses here. I I don't know. But um, let me tell you what I believe a really good idea for you to do and for you to keep keep from accepting defeat. And for the sake of time this morning, I've got a lot of scriptures, and I'm not going to ask him to put them on the board, but down here on these papers, it's got every scripture that I'm going to read this morning and even a couple extra. And I would encourage... Um, all of you to take one of these home and study these and read these because they all have to do with endurance, with faith, with trials and tribulations and suffering and and just gives us encouragement. Let's just say, though, for example, and I'm not telling you what to read. The whole word is anointed Genesis through Revelation. Read what you want. But let's just say on Monday morning you get up and you decide you're going to read Philippians 4 and 13. It says, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Ten words. That's only ten words. How many can remember that? Ten words. Ten words. But they're powerful words. Ten words that are crazy powerful. They will work for you. You go to work, you go to school, you go about your day, whatever you're doing, and you meditate on those ten words. Meditate on them. When you come home, you do whatever it is you need to do. You lay your head on your pillow that night to go to bed still meditate on these 10 words. Let them get deep within your spirit. Hide them in your heart so that they can't be stolen away from Satan. And then maybe you wake up on Tuesday and you might read something like Psalms 51 and 12 where it says, Restore to me the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. Wow. There's joy in the salvation of Jesus. Restore to me the joy. Only time something needs restored is if it's gone. So this is saying, restore to me the joy. And now we're going to get tempted to just kind of let this kind of go. But now read the second part of that verse when it says, make me willing to obey you. In other words, you get busy with your life and you get tempted to not do this thing, to not develop a right relationship Pray it. Use it as a prayer. God, make me willing to obey you. Make me willing to do this because I want to do it. My my flesh is weak, but make my spirit strong and make me willing to obey you. And then when you're tempted, you just keep on doing it. Keep on soaking that word in. Maybe on Wednesday you get up and this one's a little bit longer. First Peter 1 and 7. You might want to put this in your smartphone, on your iPad. Write it down, whatever you do. Take it to school or work with you. It says, these trials will show... That your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. Though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ revealed to the whole world. Now, notice in these scriptures... I'm not going to read anything this morning because it's not in the Bible where it says that your life is going to just be a bed of roses. It's hard. It can really, really be hard. And being a Christian doesn't exempt you from those trials and tribulations. Maybe... You do that and you get up on Thursday and you you may read 1 Corinthians 10 and 13. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And when God is faithful, he will not allow temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. There's that word again, endure. You're going to be tempted. You're going to be tempted. But if we're going to build our endurance, if we're going to develop our endurance, God says that he's going to make a way out for you. What are we going to do with those temptations? We have a choice. We, God gives us a free will. He's not going to beat us over the head and make us do it right. He, he gives us a choice. What are we going to do with the temptations? Are we going to say, God, I'm going to take your way out? Or are we going to give in to that flesh and we're going to give in to the temptation? Come Friday, you might want to read Romans 12 and 2. It says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. That'll get us in trouble when we look at everybody and what they're doing in the world, and we want to do the same thing. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you. If you're one of those people, and it's nothing to be ashamed about, that for 20 years has been a roller coaster with your relationship with God. Some days you feel close to him, some days you don't. Some months you do, some months you don't. God is saying, change the way you're thinking. That thinking's not working for us anymore. If it's not working, then we've got to change it. Ask God, let him renew our mind every day. Change the way we think because it's his will for us to be in his perfect will. It's what it says. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. There's that word again, changing the way you think. So on Saturday, wow, we've made it almost a week, James 5 and 11, we give great honor to those who endure under suffering. There's another word, suffering. It's okay. It's, thank God we've got God to bring us through it, but that's okay. It doesn't mean that you're a bad person. For instance, you know about Job, a man of great endurance. You can see how the Lord was kind to him at the end, for the Lord is full of tenderness and mercy. Now get that. The Lord is full of tenderness and mercy. God is not standing up there looking down on us and saying every time they mess up, every time they miss a day getting in my word, every time they miss a day praying, he's not standing up there with the baseball bat ready to beat you over the head. If he was that way, then why would he have ever sent his son to Calvary? We need a revelation of what he did. We need a revelation of what Jesus did. He's a God, yeah, he, he's, he's a God of judgment Judgment at times. There's going to be a day that we're all going to be judged by him. But he is the God of tenderness and mercy as well. So you've made it all the way to Sunday. And then what does Satan want you to do the next week? This phone, after I've used it for a while, there's a message that'll come up and it'll say 20% battery. And then it has another message that I can... I can touch dismiss to make that message disappear. So I'll touch dismiss and it'll disappear. And a little bit later, a message will come up and it'll say 10% battery, dismiss. Now I can leave that message there and it'll just keep on reminding me till I plug it in. Or if I dismiss you know, and I don't plug it in a little bit later, it's going to say 5% battery. Well, I know then when it gets to 5%, if I don't plug it into the power source, what's going to happen? It's going to die. Why would I let that do, it, do that? Because I procrastinate. I don't want to get off the couch and go plug it in. So I just keep waiting and waiting and waiting until there's no more life left in it. See, that's how it is with us as Christians. We, we, get, we get out of our services on Sunday. And then we go about our, our regular week on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. And Saturday. And then we feel that tugging at our heart to spend some time with God. And to get in his word, and we procrastinate. And we, so to speak, hit the dismiss button. And we think, well, I'll do it later today. Later today comes, and you don't do it. You go to bed Monday night, and of course, you're feeling condemnation, which again is not from God, but that's what you start feeling. You start feeling the condemnation, and you say, well, I'm going to do it better. I'm going to do it on on Tuesday. I'm going to get up. I'm going to read my word. I'm going to do what I need to do. And then Tuesday gets here again. You feel that tug at your heart. You dismiss it that easy. And you say, I'm going to do it later. I mean, we've all been there. We've all been there. But that's what keeps us from getting to where God wants us to be. That's what keeps us from walking and living in freedom. That's what keeps us from right relationship with God. Because we keep dismissing him and dismissing him and dismissing him. And then by the time Thursday or Friday gets there, word is completely defeated. You don't have to be. You don't have to be. It would be great that if we could ever get to the place that even if we mess up a day or two, that we just get up and start going again. But most of the time we don't. That's just how our human nature is. We accept defeat. Obviously, we add prayer along with the word. And and let me say this about the word before I get back to this. I got ahead of myself. But when you're reading the word, and the reason I gave you those examples of just one Scripture a day. God is about quality. He's not about quantity. If you read five, six books of the Bible Sunday through Sunday, good for you. But if you don't remember what you read, it means nothing to you, it won't help you. He's about quality. You spend quality time with him and his word. You get a scripture and you dissect it. You meditate on it. You, you, you think about it and you think about it and you get it deep within your spirit. When you do this enough times, then you start getting into the deeper parts of the word and then you have to do some studying. And, and, and that's good. That's where you build this endurance and this development that you're doing with God. The same thing about prayer obviously, like I said, we've got to put prayer with his word. Prayer goes hand in hand with the word. The word's no good without prayer. The prayer not good without the word. They go hand in hand. And again, when it comes to your prayer, if God called you to, th- call, uh, to pray three hours a day, pray three hours a day. I'm not that focused. I'm not that focused. If I prayed three hours in a day, I couldn't tell you what I even prayed about by the time I finished. I would be so repetitive and my mind wondering here and wondering there. If you're one of those people that are so holy and you can focus for three hours a day, then by all means do that. But I'm telling you, that's not what we've got to do to build right relationship with God. We've got to give him quality, We've got to give him quality, whether it be 30 minutes a day, an hour a day. The word does talk about praying without cease. And well, obviously, that doesn't mean that when you're um, at at your job, can you see Scott and Brandy out there training them people at the gym? And and, hold on a minute, Bud, I'm talking to the Lord. No, I'm not talking to you. Well, why are you talking to me? Oh, I'm talking to the Lord. No, stay in an attitude of prayer. Keep him in your heart all day long. Keep him in your mind all day long. How can you do that? Get in his word first thing in the morning. Spend some time with him. Give him the best part of you. Give him the best part of your day. And then as the day goes on, you can pray without ceasing. You understand what I'm saying? That's how we build right relationship with God. It's quality, not quantity. Now, the longer we do this, the more in-depth that we're going to get. But don't start out with something. I've heard pastors say before, if you've never fasted for one day don't try to fast for 40 days because you're setting yourself up for failure. You're not going to make it. You know, let's do what we know that we're able to do. I got so far ahead of myself, I have no idea where I am. When your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. God is looking for a humble and an honest heart. He's not looking for eloquent words that's going to sound good to everybody else. He's looking for our heart. He's looking for us to just tell him, God, this is what I want. I want to walk in your freedom. I want to walk in the spirit. I don't want to let my flesh keep me bound anymore. And um, Let me tell you something. This word, the, this word, the word of God, and what we're talking about today, it covers so much more than depression or self-pity. It goes way beyond that. If you're bound with pornography, if you're bound with alcohol, if you're bound with drugs, it doesn't matter. God's word will set you free. And then you've got to stay in his word to stay free. You've got to stay in his word to stay free. It's why there's so many Christians walking around living below the level of what God wants us to live. It covers every kind of bondage that you can imagine. That you can imagine, and God wants His children free. Now I want to talk a couple minutes about self pity. Have you ever stopped to think about what self pity does to a person? How many's been at a pity party before? You got some honest people in here. Nobody ever comes. Have you noticed that? You're always there by yourself, and that just makes it more pitiful. <laughs> <laughs> we're feeling sorry for ourselves. What is some of the outcomes? Well, Scott, it always wastes our time. It's, nothing productive comes from it. It's a complete waste of time. It, it's a waste of our energy. It drains us from our energy. It just sucks the life out of us. It, it makes us fatigued. It stops you from doing what you need to do. Um, Have you ever noticed when you're having a pity party? Now, get this. Satan has free reign of your thinking process. He does. When you're in the middle of a pity party, somebody's talking to you, and it's not God. So what you're doing is you're having a conversation, whether you realize it or not, with the enemy himself when you're in the middle of a pity party. It's just self-destructive. He... he, takes your imagination, and he just makes you run wild with your thought process. You start thinking about how bad somebody hurt you. You start thinking about what they done to you. You start thinking about what they said to you. You think, well, I'm sick and God won't heal me like I'm asking him to. And, and I'm just going to feel sorry for myself. And, and you just start listening to all those lies. You start hearing God. You start hearing Satan say that God doesn't care about you. Have you heard the saying, you make a mountain out of a mohill? Well, that's, that's kind of what we do. We just make it way worse than what it already is. And then we overreact. We, we, we say things that we don't mean. We act in ways that we really don't want to act. Relationships can be absolutely damaged when you're having a pity party because of the way we act and the things that we say. Our judgment gets clouded because we're acting from emotions that are birthed in a pity party. I'm going to say that again. Our Our judgment gets clouded because we're acting from emotions that are birthed in a pity party. I don't want to give birth to nothing when I'm having a pity party because it's not pretty. It's not good. It's not productive. It it doesn't do me any good and it doesn't do the people around me any good. Um, I want to slow down so I don't miss anything. I want you to understand this morning that I'm not talking about an emotional release. We all need emotional releases. Sometimes some really bad things get thrown on us. And, and we go through some battles and some storms that we need to have an emotional release. And, and that's okay. That's a good thing. Those can be healthy. You know, sometimes life can just be so difficult that we need to tell our spouse or we need to tell our best friend. We need to tell somebody, I, I need a hug. I need to have a good cry. Um, the thing about that is, is you just don't want to camp out during that emotional release because then it can take a really ugly turn and it can turn into the self-pity and then it can turn into depression. After you've had your emotional release, take a deep breath, get into the Word of God, stay plugged into the power source and know that his strength is perfect and move on. Know that his peace passes all understanding. Know know that he is the peace in the very midst of how bad your storm may be. He is the peace in the midst of that. How can we stop having pity parties by recognizing what they are and not do it? (laughs) Just simply don't do it. Change our attitude. Do what the word said. Change our way of thinking. Um, You're not going to feel sorry for yourself very long that that don't turn into depression. If you get in a habit of living that, You're you're not going to do that for very long without it being, um, being a depression. And depression, I believe, is one of the most useful tools that Satan uses to keep God's children in bondage. Do you really think that Jesus hung on that cross and went through all of that suffering so that we could walk around here not full of joy? Think about that. See, happiness and joy is two different things. If, if, if I lose a loved one or I have a really bad thing that happens to me, I'm not going to be happy about that situation. But the joy of the Lord is my strength. See, a child of God should never, ever, ever go without joy. It, it, it's just what God gives us when we live for him. But that's what we're doing. We're giving our joy away. We're just giving it away, and we're saying it's it's, it's, not worth, it, it's not worth staying in a right relationship with God to hold on to it. So we just live in defeat, and we live way below the level that God wants us to live. We, we live in bondage, and we've lived that way for so long that we've adapted to it, and we're used to it, and we don't know how to change it. Well, I'm here today. today God's ready to change it. He, he's ready to set some people free in this place today. If you're here this morning and, and, you know, and you're saying, I don't know how to get out of this. you know, I've been dealing with this depression off and on all of my life. I, I don't have the joy of the Lord like I know that I need to have. I, I never am happy anymore. I never have peace anymore. If that's you here today, God is saying to you, I want to fill you full of all of that. All of that. And I really wrestled when I was making this outline about whether or not to share a personal story with you this morning. And I'm going to close with this. I, I really think that somebody here needs to hear this. And and you know me, when I get to talking, there's not very many secrets that all, just spills out. Um, secrets about myself. I keep your secrets, trust me. <laughs> that could have got me in trouble just now, couldn't it? <laughs> I keep your secrets. Um, But I don't keep my secrets. A few, uh, I don't know, I guess it was back in November of 2011, um, I had gone and got an MRI, and they diagnosed me with spinal stenosis. And most of you, if you know me, knows that I've had health issues for years anyway. And um, they had said that the spinal stenosis, that my spine was when I would walk or stand too long, that the spine would press up against my spinal cord, and it cuts off all the... Blood flow to my legs and makes them go numb and just excruciating pain in my lower back i 'm okay right now okay there 's a the presence of God up here. I think somebody crippled to probably speak in this atmosphere, so don 't worry about me hurting i 'm good. Um, worry about me once I get back off this platform i 'm kidding God is good i 'm kidding um, but anyway, that was just a really hard thing for me to accept that this was a, a non curable disease. And I went for, I guess it was over a year, and um, would have bad spells that would last a week or two, and then I'd get better, and maybe a few months later have another bad spell, lay down a couple days, be fine. Well, a couple weeks before Christmas, I was down arranging the Christmas gifts under the tree, and, and I moved the wrong way, I guess, and, and the spell, now here it is, what are we in May? And, and that bad spell hasn't gone away, and it's just keeping seemingly to get worse, and there's days that... Um, there's days that it's hard for me to get out of bed, and, and God is good, and his grace is perfect, and I, I make it from day to day, but um, I went to a spine specialist back, I guess it was about two months ago, because my regular doctor had told me that they could do uh, steroid injections in my spine that would give me some relief for a few weeks at a time from the pain, and so I was kind of excited about that. I thought, yeah, I can do that, and so I go to this appointment, and, and he and he has my MRI up on the computer. And I don't want anybody feeling sorry for me. That's not where I'm going with this. But I'm just going to tell you the truth because I want you to know that I, I want you to know that I'm talking about something this morning that I know about. I want you, I want you to know that this self pity and this depression that I've tried to God and I've proved Him and He's real and He does what He says He'll do. But um. Anyway, I sat down in in his office and he pointed to the MRI and he said, you know, this is bad. This is really bad. He said, how did you get up here to my office? I said, well, I I walked after taking a couple breaks and sitting down on my way. And he seemed to be very surprised that I made it up there without his assistance. And um, he said, there's no way that you can get steroid injections. He said, the needle would have to go way too close to your spinal cord. It would be too long. He said, there's no way I'm going to do it. Um, he said, You need surgery, and that's the only way to fix it. He said, The recovery time would be from six months to two years. He said, You know, diabetes, you're a candidate for infection, so that would add probably another one or two more surgeries in there, uh, push the recovery time past the two years. Well, obviously, I'm, I'm not doing that. And um, so I told him, I said, Well, I'm not, I'm not going to go down that road. What else can I do? And he pointed again. He said, This is bad. He said, There's nothing else you can do. And I said, well, how about if I lose weight? Now, y'all, y'all probably don't know this about me, but I need to lose some weight. See, that's one of them things we kind of try to keep in the family, but don't judge me. <laughs> we all like food. Um, but anyway, I said, well, what about, I thought, well, you know, I'm desperate here. I can get this weight off. It'll make me feel better. And and he said to me, he said, yeah, i lose some weight. He said, it's going to help your ankles and your knees and, you know, your joints. He said, but it ain't going to do nothing for this. He said, this is not fixable. He said, this is not fixable. He said, you need eight rods and six screws in your spine. And anyway, I left his office that day. Wow. It hit me. It slapped me in the face. The reality of what he said to me that this time it's not going to get better. I sent out a mass text to my family. I said to them, this is what he said. I'm emotional right now. I can't talk. My sister was calling me all the way home, and, and I finally answered the phone for 15 minutes. I sat in my driveway with her doing nothing but interceding in tongues. And um, I get in the house, and, and, and you know what I did? You know what I decided to do? I decided to pray. I decided to get in the Word of God because that was my only option. That's my only choice. And what happened, by the end of that day, my whole attitude had changed. And I'm like, wow, what an opportunity for a miracle. I mean, we've got this stuff on, on, on paper. We've got that MRI that I can use and I can show to people. This is where I was, but this is where I am. So I'm holding on to to a miracle. I'm holding on to a miracle. But let me tell you something, and I know that you've been here too. You can talk the talk, but it is hard to walk the walk. It's easy to stand up here on Sunday. It's easy to be down here being prayed for on Sunday and say, I'm going to get through this. But it's hard when you get back by yourself and you're living that pain and you're suffering that pain. It's a daily thing with God. It's a daily thing. I'm telling you what, if I don't stay in touch with God, you don't want to be around me. (laughs) I've had the pity parties. I've had the meltdowns, and my husband has been the one to pick me back up through the strength of God. Thank God for him and my family. But here just like two weeks ago, and I'm going to tell you this because God is it's just so awesome to me, the way God works. Okay, I hate riding in those scooters at Walmart. Yeah. I told you I don't have secrets. I hate it because... Well, I won't tell you why. I, it's pride. <laughs> I mean, maybe I need to be speaking on pride. Maybe that's it because I hate them. Um, but I kind of come to the realization, if I'm going go to Walmart, I'm going to have to ride in a scooter. I'm going to have to sit at home all the time and not ever go anywhere or do anything. And so if I see one of you in Walmart in a scooter, I am going the other way. I don't want to run into anybody I know. But that's where I am right now. I'm like, Okay, if they want to talk about me, let them talk about me. But I can't walk through Walmart anymore. Well, a couple of weeks ago, I needed some things from the grocery store. I didn't have time to go to Walmart. And, and I thought, you know, I'm going to go in Brookshire's. It's a little grocery store. What, it's going to take me 15 or 20 minutes. And I went in there and I picked up a few things. Well, when I left, I was just in, wow, excruciating pain. I had a hard time getting from the standing position to the sitting position in the car. And, and, and as soon as that guy closed my trunk, I just started crying. And and I'm just going to be real with you. I said, why? I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't get it. As soon as those words come out of my mouth, it was like a violence in my spirit just rose up. And I got so mad at Satan. And I said out loud, sometimes you've got to him out loud. Sometimes you've got to talk to your situation out loud and you've got to get it from your mouth to your spirit. And I said out loud, I said no, 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 no not today. I'm not having a pity party today. I'm not going to give in to this. I know greater is he that is in me. I know no weapon formed against me will prosper. I know I am the called according to your purpose and all things are working for my good. I started quoting every scripture that I could quote and let me tell you what happened. The tears went from tears Tears of despair to tears of joy because this is what happens when when you get down on yourself and when you get depressed. Man, I see people crying in this place. I know God is speaking to somebody. When you get down on yourself and when you get depressed and you start listening to those lies of Satan, you don't know what else to do to listen to him. But if you fight back with everything you've got, God will show up and He will deliver you. He may not change your circumstance. He may not make the pain level any better but let me tell you he will change your attitude and that's what it's all about his attitude we've got to get a get a revelation of what jesus did on the cross he paid too high of a cross for a a cost too high of a price for us to go around defeated i get in my car and i'm headed home from brookshire's we live with three or four minutes and i'm crying and and the tears had gone from that to joy and i get this text So I pull into my driveway and I pull up the phone from my sister. My sister's in Guatemala, okay? I had not talked to her for two weeks, which is very unusual. Usually we'll talk about every day. I get a text and Paula says to me, Rose, are you okay? I prayed for you just now. Does that speak volumes to you like it did me? See, God knew where I was. He knew where I was. And he spoke to somebody in another country. That didn't even know what I was going through. Just to say I prayed for you today. And I've said this before and several years ago from this pulpit. Some of you may have heard it, but I'm going to say it again and and then I'm going to shut up. But when, when you get to a place to where you feel like there's no looking up. And you feel like that there's no hope. And you feel like you've exhausted everything that you can do. I'll tell you how to get out of the place. Start focusing on the good things. It, it's, it's the Word of God. I've got it down there on that paper, and I may have it in here. It's, it's the Word of God, though. When you start thinking about the good things in your life, and like with me, when I start feeling sorry for myself, if I'll just take a moment, and I'll get a hold of that, and I'll grab a hold of control over that and give God control, then I can start saying, well, God, thank you that I've got a husband that loves me like Christ loves the church. Thank you that I got 3 kids and their spouses that are working for your kingdom. Thank you for 7 perfect and wonderful grandchildren. I can't stay sad. I can't. Thank you for a roof over my head. Thank you for a nice vehicle to drive. My seats even get hot in this in the winter time. <laughs> Thank you for my swimming pool. Wow, I went for years wanting a swimming pool. How can I stay sad? How can I be depressed when one thing's not going my way? When I start thinking of the good things. And I cannot find... There it is right there. No, it's not. Baby, will you hand me one of these papers? One of my favorite scriptures. This is not what I was looking for, but it's a good one. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Some things that happen we can't understand. I don't know what I'm doing wrong, that healing hasn't manifested. The word of God's not broke. It's not his fault. You know, whether it's my fault or just purpose is being fulfilled, whichever, I've got to accept that and I've got to rely on him. Here it is, Philippians 4 and 8. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Everybody has problems. I mean, I'm standing up here talking about my diagnosis when we got a man back here that's in so much pain he can't even stay through the service because of cancer. Everybody's got problems. Look past your problems. Try to help somebody else. Try to do something for somebody else. And see, it, it, See, a person that has a lot of self-pity is a selfish person it, it, because you're focusing on yourself. Take your focus off of yourself and onto somebody else. See, we—I've ha- I- heard my boys say it so many times in the last few weeks that we have identity crisis A couple weeks ago, or, or a few weeks ago, Zoe, our 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 newest grandbaby, and she's three and a half months old now. I think then she was probably two months old, and she's just suffered a lot with colic and. And trouble with her tummy and, and crying and just being in a lot of pain. And, and one day I was there at the house by myself with her and she just, her little body was just stiffened up and her eyes were open real wide and screaming so hard and there was nothing I could do to, to, to make her feel better. I'd already prayed for her, I'd given her, you know, gas drops, did what I needed to do and it just wasn't working. And I looked at her and the way she looked back at me and crying and, you know, I felt I felt that violence in my spirit. Do you ever just get violent in your spirit uh, against the enemy? And that's kind of what I felt. And I I looked at her and I said, you lying devil, not talking to her. I said, said, you lying devil, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. And you've got to leave this baby alone because I know who I am. I'm a daughter of the Most High God. We're sons and daughters. And you know what? When I got that serious, that baby stopped crying and she took a good nap and she didn't have colic the rest of that day. Why? Because I took authority. I took authority. How many times do we pray little prayers? In the name of Jesus, it's got to be done. I rebuke that sickness. It's got to be done. We can rebuke it all day long, but if we don't know who we are, he ain't going to do nothing. (laughs) The devil don't care for us rebuking him. If we don't know who we are, we can rebuke him all day long and he'll laugh at us. But when we know who we are, breathe on us, God.